Welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. This is episode 92 and this is Altai, joined this week by... Omer. Gumble. Matt. And we are still missing Shirelia. Hopefully she should be back uh, soon. But we have a really good podcast this week and before we get to uh, some topics, Gumby, take it away with the weekly raid and the weekly raid recap. Well, we're going to start with the recap. Last week was, of course, Valentine's Day, the most romantic day of the year. Also, the, the one day of the year Hallmark, Hallmark makes a lot of money. But we asked our audience uh, about their romantic run-ins in MMOs, and we had a few interesting comments, and I'm just going to highlight a few of them here. I didn't think that people actually kind of fell into relationships through games. I was dead wrong. Equalbots actually informed us that he met his wife through Counter-Strike, which is really cool. Uh, good on you two. And we had another couple uh, that met in a game. Uh, someone else met his wife in Ragnarok Online back in 2004. That's that's really dope. Uh, one person, only one person really had a negative experience running in with uh, their attracted sex in a game. Uh, somebody met a girl who started harassing him with nudes, which Har I guess, you know. Please, is, is harass me with nudes. <laughs> Please, uh, girls, send them my way. Whoever this person was was sending them to everyone in his guild, and it was a bit weird. So, you know, I could see how that could be a little awkward. You kind of, you know, especially if you just want to play the game and you're not really interested uh, in the other person. But anytime you leave a comment, we got lots of comments. We will happily read them out loud, especially when they are fascinating. Uh, so, I guess you can find love in games, is what we learned. Uh, which is pretty cool. But this week, we are turning our attention to something a little more controversial, a little more heated. This week, we're talking about fatigue systems. On our Sunday Funday, I made the sordid mistake of bringing up a topic which led us here. It turned into quite a heated discussion, but Sunday Funday is not the right place for it, so we're bringing it back up in the podcast. Basically, we're wondering, do fatigue systems in general, any type of system which limits the amount of time you can perform a certain activity in a game, think labor points or some type of stamina system like in fire emblem heroes do these systems hurt mmos do they cause you to feel like you're on an unfair playing field uh we can keep in mind it's not necessary but we'll keep in mind that a lot of times these fatigue systems are overcome through some type of cash shop item uh but we're gonna have a round table discussion i actually have no idea where i stand on this so maybe i'll be persuaded uh -huh. and if anyone wants to leave a comment please do Aaron oh. is probably going to correct how I worded this. Go ahead, Aaron. No, all I was going to say is I want to give some context. Uh, like we were playing um, Bless, sure. and then mm -hmm. uh, Gumbos brought up uh, an issue he had with the Revelation Online uh, crafting system. How uh, he would he would have to make two characters to do all the crafting he wanted because there was some kind of limitation on you couldn't gather and craft on one character. As something along as... those lines, yeah. Okay. And uh, then I, I, Remo here jumped in about something about fatigue systems. <laughs> Aaron's already he's already planting flags here, but um, Aaron, since you you're eager to jump in, why don't you just give us uh, your overall opinion on fatigue systems? You know, maybe elaborate a bit where you stand sure, on them. Sure. So uh, when, your own personal opinion there. So when uh, Omar or most people hear fatigue system, they're thinking of what uh, a game like uh, Dungeon Fighter Online would do, or what many mobile games do is where you can only do a certain number of expeditions, right? A certain amount of content, and then you simply cannot do anything. So, so mm -hmm. I'll call that the hard you know, the hard wall, okay? But what people don't, people miss or don't think about is many games have uh, fatigue systems in, in the subsystems within their game. For example, what Gumball was saying about the crafting, where you can still do other things, but the crafting part is, you know, daily limit or hourly limit or whatever it is. Uh, so one game that does this and has been doing it successfully, and I believe started the trend for this, uh, at least in the subset, is World of Warcraft. 
the, the high level raids have a one week uh, reset, which means, uh, which really gates how fast a, a guild of 40 can get geared, right? Otherwise, top guilds, um, organized guilds with time could literally gear everyone in an afternoon. Just keep, just keep farming the boss, but they can't do that. Uh, and I think the re and I think it's a really good system because it stops it stops burnout. I gotta I gotta correct. I don't think any of us are referring to the gating of content through World of Warcraft resets, right? Resets is a different mechanic. I'm talking about mechanics designed but from the get go to to gate away content that you can be unlocked with money. All right, those mechanics are the issue because I think I don't think anyone has a problem with the way. Wow, does resets or Final Fantasy IV or any really any more budget handles raid resets? Okay, I agree. It is a form of locking and it does slow down uh, progression and gearing, right? But that's a different kind of. So, uh, I, I want to put that different subsector well, for now. I, I don't. I don't buy that because imagine like what game? What? What? Give me an example of what you would consider uh, fatigue then, like a hard. Like all right, let's say. Uh, Okay, there's, there are multiple ways. Arcade's labor system is a form of limiting how much you can play and how much you can take advantage of the crafting and resource gathering and stuff like that. But what about DFO's, DFO's system of uh, fatigue system is would be an example. However, they are pretty generous with their fatigue system. And can I bring up an example? example of an Igarious. Here's an example that's extremely relevant. The game just came out, and it's a mobile game. It's Fire Emblem Heroes. Mm -hmm. I think everyone here has played it, no? I, I played it a lot. Briefly. So Fire Emblem Heroes has a stamina system. It's at the top of your bar. It's 50 out of 50. And basically every time you engage in combat, some of your stamina is used up. And it's restored every, I think it's every 24 hours or so. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you keep playing, uh, the stamina requirements to do missions goes up and up and up. But eventually you're spending 15 stamina to do one mission. Therein, the more you play, the more stamina it takes to keep playing. So eventually mm -hmm. you're only able to put in, say, three rounds of combat before you're now waiting to regain that stamina or you have to pay uh, for an item in the cash shop that restores it. I think that's d probably the best example of what we mean when we say fatigue system. Uh, yeah, that is the hard fatigue system. And that's what, and that's what the, I want to focus on in this yeah. uh, okay. discussion. Okay, but, and the reason I keep bringing up the WoW thing is, WoW is a much bigger game than the Fire Emblem Mobile, right? We can agree yes. more, okay. The, but the purpose uh, that WoW uses the resets and the purpose that uh, uh, Fire Emblem uses the labor thing is the same. If it didn't have that, you could burn through the campaign in Fire Emblem on easy, medium, hard, right? All three in like an afternoon. Like I did. I, I burned through the whole easy thing in like an hour. I'm almost done with the hard thing. And the only reason, the only thing that slowed me down is the fatigue system. So they're trying to stop burnout. That is a perp, you know, which I, I guess kind of makes sense. You know, fatigue, you know, you don't want to burn out. So I don't think go it's slow. burnout. It's a monetization system. Come on. Are you telling me that they're doing it just for burnout? Uh, yeah. They want to make money. They want to make money in the long run. They, they don't want to front load. Like imagine you burn through the game in an afternoon. You never you're gonna uninstall it. You're done with it. So I really think, I don't think that's the reason. I think it's a pacing thing, and I think besides money, obviously they want to make money, right? But yeah. it's a pacing thing. Otherwise, WoW would not have resets. Other games, Riders of Icarus is a good example with no subscription, so they have to you know rely on the cash shop, and they have dungeon resets over time or by paying. I do want to say I like the labor point system better than the hard restrictions that you could run into. I mean, I also want to mention that actually uh, uh, Vindictus actually had a stamina system, a fatigue system in the Western market. It has it right now in the Korean market, but they got rid of the fatigue system in both Dragon Nest and Vindictus. Uh, next, they got rid of both because they realized it wasn't tailored to American tastes, so they got rid of them. But in the EU versions and the Korean versions and other international versions, you still have fatigue built into those games. And a fatigue system that actually just limits your ability to do the content is a no-go. At least in arcades, you can get labor points for free. 
it was actually really bad when they first started because like, you had to be logged in to get the fatigue points if you were a non-paying member. And if you just left yourself on like minimized, the game would kick you out for being AFK, right? So every 30 minutes, you had to unminimize the game, jump once, and reminimize the game, right? Just to take advantage of fatigue. They, they fixed that by letting you stay AFK, which is still pretty stupid because why even have the game running if you just... Why not just be able to gain fatigue points while not online? Why drain your resources? But at least that system lets you create multiple characters. And once you hit your fatigue, you can still play the game, right? The whole crafting and resource gathering was just one element. I still personally cannot... I don't want to sink time, sink time into a game when I know other people can just get stronger than me by just playing more and paying to have access to keep playing more. It feels like a really cheap monetization system. And I don't want to har uh, harp on... DFO for having it because everyone that plays DFO kind of says the game gives you so many free. You can actually buy fatigue potions in the auction house. They give away them like candy Whoa. in the events. No, no, no. You're you're, you're walking something. yourself back. I mean, it's either there or it's not. Whether some people think it's generous or not is not. Is, so then you just agree with me. And it's a matter of degree. Uh, you're right. If a game well, allows you to play for two two minutes and then it gates you, obviously I don't like that. But my my purpose is even you forget the money part. You okay. benefit from these systems because. You, it prevents burnout, uh, and uh, there's a really good conversations going on in the in the Twitch chat. I'm not, I can't read it all, but you know, from what I'm reading, it's really interesting. Uh, some guy said uh, dungeon resets equal months of subscription. So the fact That's that you true, can only too. do the dungeon once a week, I think, is very important for retention. It makes it an event. It makes it something to look forward to every week. You know, we're gonna do oh Wednesday's rating night. You know, it's not it's not you know just 20 guys clearing it 18 times and then they're done and they never go back to it ever again. Uh, yeah, when it's done I, like I, that, I think, it's good. I, I think Matt? a different way to look at it is you have your options, right? You either, as a player, stay longer and give them more money in the long term. Is uh, Okay, here's what Erhan's trying to say, at least, right? Mm -hmm. And what works in practice. How it works in practice is either you stay and you give them money in the long term through different methods, and you stay in the game longer because of the fatigue systems and because of the dungeon resets, or in the case of games where you can pay to avoid the dungeon resets, you pay a shit ton of money to get through the fatigue system, and they still get the money anyways, even if you burn out in a week. So it's all down to they get the money, it's just you decide how they get the money. Yep. I, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I'm not against it in principle, okay? I think it can be done in a way that actually enhances the experience. The way resets work for dungeons actually ends up making you look forward to content right that can be done in healthy ways and, and players don't really bitch about that I, I don't see like why can i keep running this dungeon over and over again like that's not really a topic of complaining it's it's when a lot of asian games just literally just stop you from playing or being able to gain anything through the fatigue I mean, systems that if, it bothers if, most if your argument is you know a lot of games do yes, it poorly degrees. i mean I, i'd obviously agree with that i mean there's there's right ways and wrong ways to do everything uh, but as a principle as a you know, as a feature, but it can be done well. And I think it can, even people who don't pay, I really think it can enhance their long-term, you know, lifetime experience of that game by uh, not forcing them <laughs> to take breaks or look forward to it. Imagine, like, you know, when we're kids, we're all kids, right? We're grown up. Yep. Our, our parents say, you know, it's the weekend, you can, you can play for three hours or whatever, right? And so you yep. run to the computer or the console and you play those three hours, you're having a great time, and then, and then your dad walks in and he closes the goddamn thing, right? That's it, you're done, yeah. go homework. Now, all week, you know, you're looking forward to it again. But if you just sat there for 18 hours like a fat ass and just playing it, you're done. That's, you're burned out. No, you're not done. But that's where you're wrong, right? I don't when think we so. Were younger, when we were younger, we were able to play EverQuest, Ultima Line. We played SNES too, by the way. I'm bringing more examples, right? 
we would literally wake up in the morning on during the summer. We would sprint from my be- from our bedrooms, yeah. sprint because we were so impatient to our PC, and we would just play EverQuest, Ultima, Dark Age of Camelot, Diablo 2 all day until we were peeled off our computers and like forced to go to bed. But yes. we played like 18 hours nonstop, right? But we could and only guess what? We could only do that on, in the summer. the summer. Yeah, the summer. And we look forward to the summer so we could do that because we. So no, good games can be designed around. Yeah, I agree. There are some elements of those games that were designed that are resetting and preventing from burnout, but just not being able to play extended periods of times. I, I don't think the game should tell me that I can't. Like, I can't play for for like an hour. You, no, for like the day. Once no, you reach no, well, your. It depends on the game. Like Fire Emblem, for example, okay. uh, you gain continuously. It's not like a hard. Re- it's not, it doesn't reset once yeah. at twenty four hours. Continuous <laughs> uh, stamina reset. Okay, this is off subject a little bit. I think actually that the limitations are healthy because uh, the, th- the thing that people don't realize is that, yeah, people hate pay to win, but the reason, one of the big reasons, especially in PvP focused MMOs, that people like the new player drop off happens over a long period of time is because they reach a certain point where it might as well have been pay to win because the people that are at the top have such high level gear that mm-hmm. the people at the bottom have no chance of catching up. And they're experiencing the exact same thing that happens in pay-to-win situations just over a longer period of time. So the limitations are very important because it allows people that are casual to keep up with the people that are not casual, that are playing it all the time. The The thing is it has to be done in a way that it's not intrusive or it doesn't feel intrusive, but mm-hmm. at the same time keeps people balanced around. But... Um, to go back to the original question, which is, does it hurt MMOs? At one time, I might have thought it hurt MMOs, especially when you see that Vindictus, uh, Dragon Nest, and even Dungeon Fighter Online, which is very popular everywhere but America, mm-hmm. the West, um, they dropped off really hard, par- possibly because of the fatigue system. And then Arcade dropped off really hard. But... Um, with the resurgence of Arc Age following Arc Age 3.0 and the fact that they still have, like, I think over 2,000 people a day on Steam, I-, I think it's making a point that it doesn't actually hurt games. It's just how people see it. Ultimately, it's not a black and white issue. I think I think we can all agree it comes to implementation as well. I mean, if, if it's implemented well, like, we can, we can say the resets for dungeons. And actually, one guy, uh, FG3000 Chat, said a really, made a really good point. I've seen this point uh, emphasized before, too. It's worth sharing that sometimes having a stamina system has people like look forward to min-maxing. Like they want to, they want to exhaust all their stamina before they log off for the day, right? It gives them a goal to work towards. There are still healthy pauses to having it, so those players can benefit a lot from it. It just if I want to no life something, I wanted a goddamn no life it. All right, that's my that's my only personal beef with the implementation in some I, games. This has been like I think. Uh, one of the most involved chats we had uh, because you know, I'm watching the chat still and you know people are bringing up really good points. Uh, someone mentioned uh, there's a, another really good reason for it and that is to uh, ration content. You know, you, game developers cannot make new content fast enough, right? <laughs> to keep people like you happy. You know, you're going to play a game, you know, 12, 18 hours a day for a month and you're going to say, where's the end game? You know, as soon as it comes yeah, out. Yes. I'm... So if they can drip this stuff to you where they always keep you excited, and again, as a medium, they, got, they can't do too slow, too fast. They can actually keep adding content uh, and keep you longer. So it does, I really think it, from a lot of angles, it benefits the developer and it benefits players. But it's a perception problem. You have to <laughs> implement it well. And actually, there's a really good uh, case study almost for World of Warcraft, which I bet most of you guys didn't know this, all right? In World of Warcraft beta, right, before the game launched, they had a fatigue system. Did you know that? I did not. 
where they literally you would get only 25% of experience on content you killed, right? Mm -hmm. If your character was fatigued after playing the game for a long time, the game would penalize you by saying you only get like 20% of con of experience on on monsters grinded. And do you know what happened? Players bitch like no tomorrow on the forums. Okay. Who is Blizzard to tell me how much I can play this game? I want to know life it, right? And Blizzard realized, holy shit, like we're getting all this backlash for this system that we thought was pretty good. So what they did was it's actually they really didn't change anything. They really just changed the perception. They got rid of fatigue, right? And they made a normal experience and rested experience. And now normal experience was basically the fatigue experience, right? And rest experience was bonus. was like the normal bonus mm -hmm. experience. So they changed perception to rewarding you for playing like less. And just, you know, if you play too much, you lose that fatigue. You, you lose your rest experience. And what you're getting now is basically the fatigue system. And that's the reason why some of the pacing was really slow in Vanilla WoW. Was that at least during the beta periods? And they they they've tested like well rested, semi fatigued, fully fatigued, and they came up with the current system where ultimately perception is what drives uh, the reactions for people. And anytime you hard cut off people, it's gonna be hard to kind of sell that as like a good perception, unless it's the unless it's with some elements of the content. It's only when you really cut off players from like doing any of the dungeons or any of the content is what well, I think players get really pissed off. That's a really good point, and it kind of proves my point where uh, you guys did not even consider the dungeon resets as a gate. Because it was done in a way that, I yes. guess, it missed you, you know? Like, uh, so th that's my point. There's good ways to do it. There's wrong ways to do it. Uh, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the story of inflation. You know, the whole point of inflation originally, uh, monetary inflation, was uh, so workers Economics, boys. Workers don't know they're getting ripped off. So imagine you make $10 an hour every year, and all of a sudden uh, the, your employer wants to cut it down to $8 an hour after you've been working for 10 years. You're not going to take it. You're going you know, to you're gonna revolt. You're going you're gonna to shoot somebody. Uh, instead, what they do is uh, they print more money. So your $10 is only worth $8. Uh, but you don't know that because you're still getting ten dollars, <laughs> so it tricks you there. <laughs> getting getting economical on us. Well, that's good. That's what I like to hear. So the same thing with experience, you know. Instead, hundred percent is the new twenty five percent, but you just you think it's hundred percent because the number is big. But I I just hate when companies when it's presented in a way that they they gate you, they just stop you in your face. I mean, I think a better solution to this problem is to just reinforce like uh, make it so. Instead of getting fatigued and you can't play anymore, get 50%, all right? Get half. That way, it's not a hard gate, and the people that want to no life it, like, they still have that option. It's when you hard gate it, I think players get really pissed off. And that just seems like bad design. And I do think this is not a black and white issue. I think there are many positives to it. You can look forward to certain elements. You can kind of have yourself mini goals during the day. It's the hard gating of content which pisses people mm -hmm. off or, or progression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Blizzard is the king though at this. Uh, the whole daily quest system in uh, games like Hearthstone, mm -hmm. uh, Heroes of the Storm, it really makes me feel like okay, I gotta play today's session of Hearthstone, right? Where I just do my quest and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. Even though I'm not really done, I can keep grinding, right? But I <laughs> wow feel has like that too. Yeah, yeah, Wow has the, yeah Wow started it with the. Uh, Wait, wow. was Wow the first MO have... that had dailies? I have I the exact know. opposite experience with that. <laughs> See, when I have dailies like that. I tend to log into a game, only do the dailies, quit, and just kind of stop doing it after about a week. Hmm. But do you think it's repetitive? But would you would you even look at that game in the first place after like you know like if it wasn't for the dailies, would you be playing more? I, maybe I wouldn't. I, no, I mean it's just like it's not like something I even think about. Like it's not that it's boring. It's not that they're getting repetitive. I just stop playing. I just don't log in. Uh, I know mentioned a good point. Hard gate plus being able to bypass the hard gate with a cash up is what pisses me off. So there's a perception there of fairness, right? And the thing with the WoW uh, content too is if imagine you could just pay to get the instant resets for your guild, right? P 
people would view that as like like they wouldn't take that you know like i think it would hurt the player base if they did that right so it's always a fine tuning between monetization balance and perception of fairness yeah so if if they can just change it from a punishing system to like a rewarding system where you know you can still play and if you you know, also, I think this conversation got really heated during our Friday grind fest because you're you you took the position of go play something else. You know, like that's as if developers were incentivizing players to like just just deal with it and go play something else. You know, I don't think there's an argument to be that. made there too. I think Blizzard, and again, is a great example of this. You know, they want you to uh, you know launch Hearthstone. You know, do your little quest, close it. Launch here at the storm, do your little quest, close it. You know, wow, do your little quest, close it. So uh, there is a there is a catalog to get through. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I, I, I want to know life a game and no, ain't nobody going to tell me otherwise. All right? If they tell me otherwise, those are the kind of games I'm typically going to avoid. But I don't think too many games are, you know, it, it's an issue in mobile games too, which is why a lot of mobile games like, I, I would never consider playing, right? Even when I first installed like like early mobile, like, like Candy Crush, right? Everyone's talking about popular Candy Crush. I download it. I'm like, hey, it's not a bad game, right? It's just, it's just match three bullshit, right? And the moment like, I can, you can only play like so many games a day, it's like, why would I ever commit to this? Like, I'd be the kind of guy that would love to like just grind through and get to like difficult levels but i don't want to play because it restricts how much you can play like that turned me off right away but that could be a it could be a me issue well i think we had a lot of uh great points made in this weekly raid if you guys want to let us know what you think personally or in, uh, make your comments in twitch chat eternal you could head to the weekly raid url and we will certainly recap them if we get enough for next week mm -hmm. uh, but i think now it's time to move on to some of the uh, some of the controversial news we had this week, I, I guess it's it's all pretty interesting stuff we've got to go on. And I want to mm -hmm. start with uh, my favorite story from this past week. It, uh, it involves Closers Online. Uh, this past week we reported that a private server was going to bring Closers to the West, uh, fully translated into English. And I think the next day uh, we actually got contacted by Natic Games who told us that they are also going to be bringing Closers <laughs> to the West, but they are seeking a publisher. And I thought that was hilarious because I figured that they saw private servers coming out and they said, oh, shoot, now we got to do this. Uh, but it was pretty interesting. I know, Remo, I think you got the uh, email from them. Yeah. Basically, uh, everyone was excited to play Code Closers, right? And I think I think there was, a, there was a lot of people interested in playing Closers for a long time. They were kind of petitioning the company to like, what's your status on NA? Like, are you guys going to make an NA server? And they basically didn't say shit forever, right? For years. I mean, even Soul Worker was like, I think Soul Worker was announced before then. Even like, it's a newer game, and Soul Worker got you know an announced and a release before our closers, even though it didn't launch yet. But now all of a sudden, now that Code Closers launched, and it is the it's a private server that's available for the game today. You can play English closers right now on Code Closers, and that was announced, and they're going crazy. Like they emailed, they actually emailed us saying, "Take down your news about the private server. Take it down. We, we don't want you to talk about it." But obviously, you know. We're not going to take it down, okay? They, they asked us to take it down. Like, it's copyright infringement, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we're not doing anything wrong reporting on it, you know? If you want to go after the private server, that's a thing, you know? Go after them. Don't go after us. So yeah, we actually, didn't take down the post. I didn't saying that, it makes us want to Barbra Streisand it, which is where you, mm -hmm. you... When you say, let's take it down, you just make it more popular. So now everybody knows about the private server because they went around uh, talking about it. They kind of mm -hmm. shot themselves in the foot there. Uh, more importantly than who who's running this, whether it's private, public. Uh, mm -hmm. So you played Closers. I'm watching your uh, first look here. Yeah. And I remember this kind of reminds me of a game we actually did for uh, Sunday Funday, right? Or Grindfest, one of those. It was... Um, Hero Wars? It was a Japanese Soul game. Worker? Soul Worker. This from, looks yes. like... Okay. So it's got the whole like mission. But this one seems more 2D with a 3D background. 
you ha it's it's one of those games that's you know you have the hub based persistent areas and all the dungeons are like instanced. It's like you know I think a better way to look at L Sword Online meets maybe DFO meets uh, basically Vindictus those style games. You know it's it follows that same exact formula that Soul mm -hmm. Worker, Arpeel, all these games do. It has a really cool anime aesthetic and I'm glad the private server is out. I know like some people are like oh you gotta support the official guys. I mean ultimately I I, I think I think the private server is good for the player base. I mean you can play the game right away in English, but I. Uh, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. Like it, it, it was when I played Soul, Wor Soul Worker. Like from the get go, I was like, "Wow, it's a visually impressive, nice, fun paced game," but it just felt kind of janky for me on the Korean version. And it does have a player base in Korea, but it wasn't giant. Like I got to the persistent areas, I really didn't see too many people. So I don't know. What to th it, it didn't do it for me right away. So I don't know if this game is gonna is gonna do well, even if it gets an official publisher. And there's no word on official publisher yet. All they said was they were in negotiations. With uh, with an NA slash EU publisher, so whether they actually are or not is a different question. They could have just said that to kind of guilt us into taking it down. The article like, oh, they're working on it, we should take it down. But uh, I don't know if it's, this game will do well. I mean, as is, you can already play on Code Closer, so God bless, go play on there if you want to play. Cool. Wasn't my cup of tea though. It just didn't feel as good as like it didn't feel as good as RPL either. RPL I had a lot of fun with on the Korean server. Soul Worker, you know, got the same anime aesthetic, but this is a more like side scrolly too. I don't know. How do you guys feel about these style games in general? I mean, this eh. is like a massive genre. It's not for me either. Um, I'm not, I, I mean, I, again, it's just a matter of taste, I think. Mm -hmm. but I'm not really into this kind of 2D format with the faux 3D thing mm -hmm. going on here, except for Dungeon Fighter Online, but that was more about the art, I think. Yeah, it's because we grew up with those old school arcade games. And pixel, you know, those pixel three, graphics. I'm a Metal Dragon. Slug kid for life. I'm surprised. Uh, I, don't, Go ahead. I don't end up sticking with these. For, yeah, there's something about them. them. I just stick with them. That's true. There's something about them that, like, I don't know. It, it's a personal thing, obviously. But, you know, some people are really against the instance gameplay. They feel like it's not a true MMO if you don't have, like, the persistent world. I, I mean, I, I think it's still an MMORPG. There's no doubt about it. They even call it an MMORPG. But some of them are just done better than others, I think. And Dragonica was like one of the first ones I played. Actually, Dragonica was like hella fun back in the day. It was through a claim. But yeah, I, I mean, do you think do you think they're gonna go after Code Closers? I mean, they emailed us saying like it's a copyright illegal private server, blah blah blah. I feel like they I'm wouldn't sure they contact us if they were already no, trying to shut them. down. They're not gonna shut them down. Uh, they're gonna hope the publisher, the American publisher, uh, will shut mm -hmm. them down because the American publisher has a, an interest in getting these players, and mm -hmm. they also have more familiarity with American law. They have American office. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a more there's a better chance of uh, the publisher, whoever it might be in the future, going. You guys want to gamble? Ooh. Who's going to publish this? Oh, because they, they, remember, Natic yeah. Games doesn't have a publisher for this yet. They said that they're looking for one. So who's going to take up the offer? Area Games. Area Games. That's my bet. <laughs> oh, so it's never coming out. No, it's Area because they said uh, NA slash European, right? They, okay. They said, oh. If it's Area, this will My. come out com. before Bless. My.com. My.com. That's a good guess. My.com is a good guess because My.com has actually been expanding into MMOs. You know, they've they've picked up games uh, that, like Warface that's being you know shut down by the developer. They're taking over the service. They're launching new games. So My.com has been aggressively expanding in the West. So another guy said My.com too in the chat. Okay, the publisher in Korea is Nexon, right? Yes, they're not the developer though. Natic is the developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll just I'll just say Nexon, even though that's probably not the case. Well, Nexon's not a bad guess either. Yeah, I don't know. Nexon know. likes to say what they're going to publish in those little uh, PowerPoint presentations they put out. So I would That's say it's, I would say it's not on the table for Nexon. 
I think a uh, second, a close second, be KOG game. Play who? KOG games. Oh, the guys that make it, the Elsewhere people, right? Yep, I can see that too. Because they did just uh, temporarily close Hero Wars, so I guess that maybe they want another side-scrolling uh, game. Fill fill that void. Fill that void. <laughs> All good but, guesses. I mean, we will see if it even gets a publisher. Uh, do you guys think the like developer has a good point to shut this down? I, I think it, the private store is ultimately like a net positive for players. I mean, I can understand their perspective, like from a business side, they want to make money on it. But like, come on, guys, you had so long to bring this game here. Like, this is not a you know a legal argument. This is like almost like. At this point, I don't even feel bad for the publisher or the developer. Rather, like you had so much time to bring this game, you don't give a shit about the Western market. Let's be real. If you gave any shits about the Western market, you would have announced a Western release like years ago. It's like mm -hmm. it's too late to give a shit now to have like a moral like high ground. Like it just seems almost insulting for them to get mad at the private servers now. Like a passionate team that wanted to bring this game to the West brought it to the West like through their own terms. Like I'm not saying they have any legal claim to it, but you lost the moral high ground to like bitch and moan <laughs> about this personal personal opinion uh no i agree I, the market fills in the void so yeah i think i think they saw it my own guess and then i guess we should move on as they saw this private server like holy shit people are actually interested in this game we should bring it to the west and then <laughs> they got all pissy and i think if it wasn't for the private server um they never would have would have bothered but this isn't the only interesting news this week um i think we we have something to speculate about and that is that if you don't know uh john smedley uh, who formerly was with Pixel Mage Games developing Hero Song, which shut down not mm -hmm. too long ago, it wasn't able to meet its development goals, joined Amazon Game Studios. And not only did he join, but it seems that the entire team most at of. Pixel Mage joined with him. It's not the entire team. Most, most of them, yeah. Most of them, yeah. Well, I, did I not say almost, almost the entire team? I think I was close. No. But, all right, well, fair enough. We little <laughs> asterisk. Almost the entire team joined him. So I guess uh, some initial speculation suggests that is it possible Hero Song will return, uh, except developed with the Amazon Lumberyard engine? I mean, what is Amazon going to do with Ol' Smed here and uh, his team? Ooh, I I think there's zero chance of it, basically, <laughs> because, and the reason I say that is because Hero Song doesn't work for what Amazon is going for right now. Amazon mm -hmm. really wants games that integrate hard with Twitch right now. I mean, every yeah. one of their games, even the MMORPG New World, integrates with Twitch really hard. So um, they'd have to completely redesign Hero Song from the ground up, and it wouldn't even be Hero Song by the time it's done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's So I, I think there's zero chance. And I also don't think that with their new gaming business, there's no reason that Amazon would want a failure like Hero Song. I mean, looking at it objectively, they spent $2.8 million or more on this game, potentially. I mean, they did refunds, so we don't know exactly how much they did, but they potentially spent like $2.8 million or more on a game that barely was a game. I mean, it was a tech demo at best mm -hmm. in the state it was in, and they spent $2.8 million on it, and that didn't even go to art. Like, the art was clearly not a priority when it came to the budget. So. Whoa, whoa, this art is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 1990. The whole, thing, the whole thing stinks to me. And I just, I, I don't trust Smedley after this because he was in charge of this. And just looking at what happened, I don't know where the money went. And that scares me um, in terms of, like, the new project. So, you know what I mean. 
right, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a conspiracy theory here. All right, I think there's a real good case for conspiracy theory. Maybe during the development of Hero Song, before uh, it shut down, even, I think Amazon approached Smedley saying like, "Hey, you know, you're in this area. We want to, you know, we want you to make a game for us." And during Hero, like maybe after he raised the Kickstarter money and like sometime in early access, he he already got approached. And he's like, oh, shit, I got this Amazon offer. Fuck Hero Song. I'm going to go do this Amazon shit. Oh, God, we got a close Hero Song. How do I let them down nicely? Oh, you know, we, we probably had to have some invest money lined up because, look, Smedley's a connected guy, right? I think he would have kept Hero Song going just from his experience at Sony Online Entertainment. He ran Daybreak. This is a guy who's been in the industry for a while. He could have raised additional money from investors. I mean, he's probably personally very wealthy, too. I don't know his situation, right? For him to kind of abandon the game this quickly... I think he got approached by Amazon. And he's like, okay, fuck your song. I'm going to go over there. Obviously, all speculation on my part, but that's my guess. Because how quickly after Hero Song <laughs> shut down, boom, offer for Amazon. Boom. Everybody that, almost everybody that worked on Hero Song is already working for Amazon now. Yeah, no, with that many people, this had to have been in the works for a while. Yeah. Yep. Like, th- this kind of transfer doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to defend the, the move a little here. One, this guy obviously is passionate about MMORPGs, right? He's been in business forever. Yes. Uh, he maybe he's not good at the uh, shall we call budgeting slash financial aspect of it, like the the project management. Uh, Hero Song, I don't think it's the game they wanted to make. It's it's the game they could make. This the scale of it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now, with, with as they were approached by Amazon, I do think where you're right. They were approached by Amazon before uh, we heard about the shutdown, and they said Amazon basically came. Bezos came in the room and said, "Listen, buddy." I'm going to give you unlimited resources. You make the MMORPG of your dreams, baby. Yes. And he said, and he, how could, and I don't, you know, he can't refuse that deal. And, and we as gamers should be happy with that deal. So rather than getting this tiny uh, proof of indie concept, you know, roguelike RPG, uh, we're going to, this guy's going to spend, he's a hunker down to spend years making, you know, unlimited budget, his grand vision of a game uh, for Amazon. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and why not? I don't think that's a big deal. I don't feel like a big loss with Hero Song. It, it, it might have been a cool little, you know, roguelike for like 10 minutes a day. It was a little like sketchy still to like, I don't know. You, you're telling everybody in your Kickstarter video like, this is my passion project. I want to make this game. And all okay. of a sudden, boom, money changes everything. Yeah, I'm definitely going to counter Airhorn on that. It's definitely the game they wanted to make. And I say that because they got $2.8 million and no strings attached. Peanuts, like, peanuts. Two million? It's, yeah. Come on. Smedley can eat more tacos than that. He's, big, he's a big guy. <laughs> all right i mean I don't know, there's something about it too and also here's another thing i don't think hero song ran to financial issues the way i mean look yeah. i don't think the game didn't sell well right but they knew that going through early access and what the game was at that point i mean the fact that they gave everybody refunds on kicks they gave indiegogo refunds right people that crowdfunded the games people who are in financial trouble for their games literally cannot afford to give refunds this was not we ran into problems the game didn't sell well issue this was a I got a better offer. Later, nerds. I'm going to go work for Amazon. But again, I don't blame him for this either. I think we get a great Hold, hold up. To his credit, Amazon though, offered him unlimited resources. But he to, had to do it. Look, to his credit, the people below him, right, that were like, you know, he was their boss. He brought yeah. as many of them on as he probably could, right? Yes, he did them so. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good move. You know, he, it's that's not a like commendable he, move. It's not like agree. he said, you know, screw you guys. I'm going, I'm going to Amazon. <laughs> it just, he only screwed up the people that were passionate about Hero Song. But again... How much did he actually owe them? Look, I mean, he said he was going to make this game. It's I don't blame him for what he did at all. I don't blame look, him for what he did. Look, Smedley, Smedley worked on he, SOE. He was with SOE. For, yes. All right. He worked. You know, he, he ran uh, EverQuest. Uh, he ran you know, Vanguard. He, he ran all their big scale MMORPGs, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go from running EverQuest in 1999 when it was like top of the line, all these top of the line 
I mean, it was a, it was a Warcraft at the time. Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't go from that to to Hero Song and tell me it's your passion project, please. I mean the pixel the pixel art is cute, right? But this is not this is not like a this is not this is not like your Grand Vision game here. It's pretty obvious to me. No, it could. Be. Why are you the two D guy? Look, the, I am the two D guy. Vision of Hero Song was actually quite incredible. Imagine Terraria meets MMORPG, right? That could be amazing. Obviously, I think the scale was off because they had servers and it wasn't like one persistent world. But the, the, the concept of like a Terraria-like game with hardcore and more PG elements was actually really cool. And they could have expanded a lot. Like, there was a lot of potential here for it to be a big deal because Terraria was a big deal. Yeah. You know, these style games of like sandbox crafting and stuff are awesome and growing. So I just think he got approached with better budgets, unlimited financial resources, and he took it. I don't, want to make, I, don't, I don't want to say he's the bad guy. He's the logical guy. We all would have done the same thing. If Amazon threw, threw money at us, millions of dollars at us, we're going to take the deal. And God bless his heart for saving his... You know, taking his employees with him, right? And a lot of those guys were rehired, and they probably didn't have to be. But, you know, he felt like he didn't want to betray the his original team, so I guess he brought them on. So at uh, least he did good over there. I want to see what he comes up with at Amazon. Uh, now the financing part is, you know, he's, yeah. he doesn't have to deal with that anymore. His, he can just, you know, make the game he wants now, which is, you know, interesting. All right. That's a good point. Come, I'm come verdict. Is he, is he a scumbag or a good guy? Uh, he refunded his early backers. I, I, I think he's. I, I no. I don't think he's a scumbag. No. All right. I don't think he's a scumbag, but I think the entire thing is a little. Yes, shady. I, I agree it's with you. Man. It's a little shady. It's a little. There's, there's, it's a little sketch. I think there's maybe no they could have made the announcement earlier when it was announced instead of mm -hmm. kind of because I mean I guess what people maybe this is what you guys kind of offended at and tell me if I'm wrong is that the way it was handled. Yeah. was like oh surprise you know whereas <laughs> you, they obviously knew i mean it would well, a little more transparency not just that but like omer was saying like the fact that they gave refunds to literally everyone means yeah. they weren't in financial trouble but they yes. explicitly said that they were having financial trouble that was bullshit that's a, that, oh, that's a, yeah. that was their excuse that was their excuse there's no way you can't give refunds to everyone if you when you have financial issues you're literally in, up to your eyeballs in debt that's what financial that's issues true. mean it means you've already maxed out your credit lines You've like already, there's no money in the bank. You're already in debt. You can't give refunds at that point. Balcony door is open. You know, you're, you're standing on the ledge. That, that's when you're, yes. When you're on the edge of your balcony, maxed out through your Hilton credit cards, you can't give refunds. And by the way, you, you're not legally obligated to give refunds to any of those Indiegogo backers or anyone that even pre-ordered your game. Your LLC is allowed to file bankruptcy and say, screw you to all your customers. That's like legally allowed. So he didn't have, he just did that because he already had the money. That was a non-issue for him. Which is why it was. I agree with Matt. It's sketchy, but he's not. I'm saying he's not a scumbag because he did the logical thing that I think we would all do. Unless we're all secretly scumbags, I don't think nope. I can call him a scumbag. Does, do you guys now agree with me that Amazon will buy Crytek? No. No. Not necessarily. Why? I'm not even knows. close to that yet. Why this wouldn't Amazon just let the competition sink? Crytek? No, that's the thing that uh, they they license their engine for Lumberyard. No, but isn't it isn't Lumberyard now their own? They don't they don't. They, they it, don't pay a license or anything, do they? They they paid a huge upfront sum to license it mm -hmm. for X years. Mm -hmm. Oh, I okay. I, I I could see it. I think it's, it's a possibility. It's not sure, their competition. Not? It's it's literally their partner. Uh, in I see. I see. But, but I mean, uh, my conspiracy theory now is that Smedley's not going to be making just any. He's his team is going to be the core game on our team. That's new world. Mm -hmm. That's my. That's theory. possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. He's that more guy. So. That makes sense. I guess we'll see. I'm very curious. I'm actually very excited to see anything that comes out of Amazon. I know you guys have played the one game already in a pretty rough state, but I'm wondering just how big of a splash Amazon will make overall. 
And I will find out soon enough. I wouldn't call it a rough state. It had like two or three core issues. Oh, okay. I thought it was rougher than that. I, I missed it, so I'm just uh, paraphrasing here. But I yeah. wanted to move on to another interesting piece of news. Unless somebody else wants to take I it want somewhere to, else. I want, see, I want to seize it. I want to seize this for a seize moment. Seize the right? moment. Seize I was the day. Playing, I was playing, I was streaming Bless actually the other day, and I want to talk a little about Bless because we did, we've did. we already done a few Grindfest Friday videos for and I think it's a game a lot of people are still kind of excited about. I, I do think it's a really fun game. And, you uh, know, I want to talk about my experience when we can talk about the current state of the Korean version. I was streaming it, and I, the one issue kept nagging me so much, and it's optimization issues. And it kind of, like, makes me realize, like, all these high-end graphics and these ambitious design stuff with, like, seamless worlds. Like, all of that doesn't matter. If you can't get the... If you can't figure out the optimization, it's a complete, like, waste. Like, I played the game for an hour, and after an hour, I was playing at sub-20 FPS on a top-tier machine. You can't have an MMORPG playing at sub-20 FPS. Like, how do you launch a game... How do you spend $60 million on a game and have it launch in, a, in its current state of unplayableness? It's open beta right now in South Korea and Russia. And it's not just me and my brother had issues. Matt, Matt said his ran, his ran pretty well. So it is an optimization issue. It runs well on some PCs, but not every setup. And with the preface, it's a $61 million game. NeoWiz Games has spent over $60 million making Bless. And I just don't see how like an executive took the game Launched it and just realized, why is this laggy, developer? Why is this laggy? Can you fix it before you launch? No problem, boss. And they launch it and it's still laggy. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> uh, I don't know how it happens. And, and I do know why it happens. This game, hmm. it looks pretty. They spent a lot of money on it. But it's, pr it's using pretty outdated technology. It's, uh, I noticed up top, DirectX 9 was the best uh, it supported. Mm -hmm. it didn't, you couldn't really uh, <laughs> use 10 or 11. We're on 12 now. You know, 12, 12 is going to come out. You know, it's... It came out this last year, and games will start using it this year. Uh, so this game is dated, uh, mm -hmm. and it's one of the problems with this genre. If you, tr you MMORPGs cannot be cutting edge because the development cycle is so long. So the technology mm -hmm. you start with, right, will be outdated by the time the game comes out. So you can't, you know, you can't push things too far, uh, graphic-wise, or or else you're gonna run into the problem that uh, Bless ran into now, where this game, you know, DirectX Nine came out with Windows XP. That's nuts. That's so old. Wait, yeah. the, the, the development cycle didn't begin at, at Windows XP. Come on. You don't know. I mean, look at look like, at some of these games. Well, Unreal Engine 3. No, okay. So DirectX 9 was the standard for ages. Even through the DirectX 10 era, DirectX 9 was still the standard. So, I mean, it has nothing to do with whether or not it started in the Windows XP era. It went straight through the DirectX 10 era. And DirectX 11 barely got picked up. Like there were like the cutting edge games had DirectX 11 modes, but mm -hmm. as a whole, DirectX 11 was not made the standard. And now, even with DirectX 12, you have Windows 10 games because DirectX 12 is Windows 10 exclusive right now. Mm -hmm. um, you have Windows 10 games that use it, but even they, some of them, have DirectX 9 mode. DirectX mm -hmm. 9 is still the standard. Yes, whether we like it or not, it's still the standard. That's and true. That's fair. But yeah, all, I think Final Fantasy XIV allows uh, you to switch between DirectX them. 11 mode. There's a mode for DirectX yeah. 11, and it actually looks gorgeous. Like if you turned it off and on, like it is a big difference. But my point is like, yeah, you can have. The, I don't think DX9 necessarily is the issue, but obviously, you know, long development cycles affect technology, right? There's a lot of DX9 games that just that just work, right? That run at 60 FPS and they just function. How can I, you have a a, <laughs> a a 60 million dollar budget game and just have it run like shit? Like it's. Okay, I, I'm having a blast with the game. It just. It blows my mind and it really like, angers me while I play a game and I'm stuttering at 20 FPS. This is really simple. 
there are a lot of really complex effects that push this engine to its limit. Somewhere in there, there's probably a memory leak in one mm. of those effects. And so as you play it over time, you yeah. use the effect once, you use it twice, you use it three times. Eventually, it just builds up and causes an... Ah! Causes a frame rate drop over time. Sorry, I just kind of choked mm -hmm. up every now and then. Um, yeah, but it causes a frame rate drop over time because there's like one or two effects that just aren't made right. It's it's not so, like the entire game has issues. That's not usually how this works. It's usually like one or two things that cause the memory. Uh, but in my, I mean, in my in my rant, okay, I'm saying it starts at 40 FPS when I launch the game fresh, and it falls to like blow 20. I get it. blow 20. That's a big memory leak problem, and it's eventually can be fixed, right? But why is it starting at 40? It just started like 80, 90, 140, and then maybe fall a little bit. It starts at 40 on my PC. Like 45. I, mean, I never get 60 in it because I don't know why. My brother couldn't get it either. It just That's weird. I uh, I mean, bless aside too, I think the most important aspect of a lot of these MMORPGs is just playability. I want a game should function out of the box at decent frame rates and not be like crash resist, like crash prone. Like that's more important than content, combat, story, translations. Just having the game work is like should be at the top of the agenda. Before a game even goes to close bay, like have it work and polish everything else afterwards. I think one of the reasons WoW, World of Tanks, DFO, these games don't have high system requirements and the games just work, you know? You can have the best game in the world, but if you have low FPS optimization issues, it's not going anywhere. And uh, let's, uh, I have something on my mind. Oh, uh, what was it? Are we moving to topics? Hold on, before we do, I want to mention uh, this mention game. Mention the, the Korean part, too. Yes, this game, it's almost as if. All the Korean games or Asian games I like, uh, we like, or you said you like Plus 2, actually yeah. end up doing poorly, whereas the ones I don't like, like Crossfire, Dungeon Fighter, end up doing well. <laughs> like Or League of Angels or whatever, you know? So this yeah, game, Blessed, is having some trouble, guys, in Korea. It's been out about a year. It came out January 2016 uh, in in open beta. And already, they're being very generous with uh, new uh, new player boosts. So uh, for for our Valentine's, they offered everyone who was level forty five or higher a potion to automatically get them to level fifty, which is a new max level. Uh, all new players got um, basically free top tier gear uh, and you know, other boosts like a flying mount they can use for a while just to speed through the content. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of games do this. Wild WoW does this. Uh, Maple Story did this. Every game does this. But the pro the difference is these games do it. Years after, when they have new content, you know, many, many new expansions, you know, they want to get people through the old content. But Blast hasn't really been around long enough, you know, about a year. You can't tell me the content's outdated in one year. That just means <laughs> the content was bad to begin with, uh, right? Well, I mean, it isn't doing well in Korea. It's only doing well in Russia right now. Korea has repeatedly, like, reported low populations. I couldn't tell you why that is. I mean, partially it could have to do with optimization issues, and I don't know the actual state of the Korean gaming industry right now, but I remember when Terra came out, there was a major thing. All, like, basically every single, like, PC bong, PC cafe in um, Korea had to upgrade their computers to be able to handle Terra. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, there were a lot of them that had to. Perhaps because you don't have mm -hmm. that audience in PC bongs, because if they had to upgrade it for Terra, I can only imagine what they'd have yeah. to do for Bless. So, without that audience and without the people in that social like environment that are together all the time, and it's like, hey, what's that guy playing? 
it, it's probably just not getting the word of mouth and just the natural exposure that it needs to get. Mm-hmm. It's also getting bad press in terms of it doesn't run well and it doesn't run most mm-hmm. of these PC bong PCs. So why would people play it? That's the way I see it as somebody who doesn't know like enough about the South Korean industry, mm-hmm. perhaps. Actually, somebody brought a good comment in the chat. I, I think we don't appreciate enough. Like, think about all your friends that have PCs, right? And a lot of my, you know, people, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that are console gamers, and then PCs are usually like below average Dells with integrated graphics cards, right? Like, your 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 game has to run on the average shit tier laptop with integrated graphics card. If it doesn't, I don't think a game can be big with like cutting edge gorgeous graphics unless it's a console game. Because console games, you know, if you buy a PS4 game, it's going to work on your PS4. But with PC games, like you need to have a game that just runs well on low-tier PCs. You need to. If you don't have that, I don't think a game has a chance of being a blockbuster unless you have a PC game has a blockbuster chance unless they can run on low-end PCs. People in chat are saying, like, oh, my guildies have all low-end PCs. I can't play games with them. Somebody said, I can't play any game like past 2010 because I have a below-average PC. And that's unfortunate. I think that really hurts the industry a lot, the gaming industry. People don't have the hardware to play it. So stop making cutting-edge games, maybe. And I, I don't want to be the guy that says graphics don't matter. I think good graphics helps, but you don't need cutting-edge, gorgeous, maximum render distance graphics to have a good game. Uh, I mean, I think the Onos for, falls on uh, Intel and Microsoft. They, you know, they o- Onos, Natural Selection too. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, when he said Onos, these are these are big companies, uh, and I think they're going to start shrinking their market share uh, mm-hmm. if they can't fix this. The Intel especially has to stop making such garbage, uh, uh, integrated, you know, uh, GPUs, which they have. If you guys notice, in the past few years, the the Intel you know onboard graphics are much 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 better than they used to be in the past. Um, so mm-hmm. you know you can you know with just a CPU today, you can play games like you know League or whatever, or even Overwatch. The new i7s, uh, even the mini ones, they can play Overwatch fine, which is mm-hmm. something that you couldn't wouldn't happen in like five years ago, six years ago when I started gaming. You needed a discrete GPU to play almost anything uh, new. They're finally getting around to fixing that issue then. So that's yeah. definitely, maybe maybe it's going to look better in the future right now. Because I think that's always been a big like thing holding back PC gaming. The lack of like standards and average PC. Average people are gaming on laptops, which are Duke tier. But at least those Duke tier laptops will have better integrated cards now. Yep. And also, I just wanted to point out that you can tell that Bless is pushing this engine to the limits. Because when you look at the outline, you know that little blue outline that shows mm-hmm. up around your target, a red outline? It's pixelated. <laughs> it is straight up pixelated. So you can tell that the engine is being pushed to its limits by the fact that they needed to downscale that to a pixelated format. I mean, it also comes out like, don't push the engine so far. I mean, have like less impressive visuals, scale back the ambition. And just make something that works. I mean, everyone wants to have like that. The designers and the people that work there want to create something amazing, right? And when they play Bless on their high-end, god-tier development builds at their office, the game is amazing. But the average person doesn't have that setup. And they can't enjoy like That's the biggest drawback. You have to design the game for the average PC. <laughs> and developers just want to make something amazing. And they, I think they did create something amazing like, technologically and it looks good. It, I mean... Just running around the world of Bless on my stream, it felt amazing. Like, holy shit, you can see the capital city from a mile away. I took a couple of screenshots. It looks amazing. But too bad people can't play it. So rest of pepperoni, Bless. To give a little more Maybe context, they'll fix it for area. To give a little yeah. more context on how the game is doing, <laughs> uh, they had two rounds of server mergers already in the one year they've been out. And they're down to two servers in Korea. Mm-hmm. 
and that's after they merged one or two into one and then open another one. Yes. But um, I wanted to take a detour from the serious stuff real okay. quick and talk about what we played for a second mm-hmm. before we forget this. So um, I've been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls Online the past week or so, and casually before that. But in the past week or so, I've been playing it a lot. And the other day, um, Shadows of the Hist, I think, is the DLC. So we were going through dungeons, and we were doing a lot of the very simple dungeons, like the early on ones, and they were kind of interesting, but I mean, they were mostly easy, and we kind of rolled through all of them. And I, I was playing with Zaz from the Discord, and I, I don't know if you guys remember Pakioki from mm-hmm. when we played Overwatch, but we, we've been playing with them. Um, so, um, so me, Cat, and those two. But anyways, we went through the first Shadows of the Hist dungeon, and we're going through this, and it's really difficult at first. Like, the mobs hit really hard, and we're all around level 20. Zaz was, like, level 7 at the time. And um, so we're getting hit really hard. We're making it through slowly, like, pushing all, like, really slowly through this dungeon. Like, one group at a time. We got wrecked by a few groups. We get through a few bosses. Like, some of the bosses were simple, but at the same time, like, really hit hard. So I had to heal them, like, crazy because i'm playing the healer in there and i had to use like four different healing spells to keep him alive we get to this third boss which is this giant like oh is he a lizard he's like a lizard guy (laughs) who's a slaver and we're getting our asses handed to us over and over and we're sitting there and trying to come up with some kind of strategy and the guy on his own isn't too bad but there's like this mechanic where there's an aoe and the aoe spawns mobs and like they're mud crabs that are really mm-hmm. tanky. So you have to run through the AOE and then run it to this water thing. So somebody is like slowed down by a debuff throughout that period mm-hmm. and they have to run all the way to the water. And during that time, they might take a lot of damage. And then there's other mobs coming in from like the rap, like there's an arena kind of thing and people are watching and they'll jump down. And um, we had to take those out at the same time and it's just crazy and eventually we get through this right and we're all feeling great about it it's like maybe this is the end of it then we go through another thing and there's another boss at the end and we literally were on this boss for three or four hours i'm not even kidding this boss has things like i've never seen stuff like this in any game ever like there's this secondary dimension thing and when you get sent into it you there are statues around the arena and one of them will light up in the real world and one of your fellow players has to mark that for you and then you have to go over there and destroy it with this crappy like little attack thing and hit it like six times and hope at the same time that there's not like a totem up because there are these totems that drain your health Mm -hmm. and they'll kill your friends in like literally seconds so if i wasn't up as the healer everyone would die like if i was the one that was in there during mm-hmm. the time that mm-hmm. there was a totem it was terrible and if like um pocky was playing the tank if he got stuck in there the boss would aggro somebody else and everyone would die it was the craziest shit so we get through like three different rotations for this boss and we get to the end and it just starts doing this like vine thing and it, these mobs come out of nowhere and they run through this fire thing and you get a damage buff and there's just mm-hmm. so much shit going on all at once we never finished it like we Aww. couldn't out we couldn't out heal the damage that everything was doing it was the craziest fucking shit i i don't even know like how i was supposed to do that 
below level 50 or so. I mean, we just didn't have the skills, I don't think. So you, I, think I was running out of you, mana. You mentioned uh, uh, one of the teammates was level 7 while you guys were 20. So explain how that works in ESO, because they have a pretty cool uh, <laughs> feature for that. Well, in ESO, they set, based on everyone's level, they'll set it to a certain champion level. Mm -hmm. And everyone will be scaled up to that champion level in terms of power, but you still won't have the skills. Yeah. And as long as you, you have to keep up with your gear, regardless of what level you're at, because it'll scale you based on an expected gear level. So if you don't keep up with your gear, you're still going to be underpowered, yeah. regardless of what level you are. So, I mean, it's pretty cool because it lets us do it, all of us at once mm -hmm. in that dungeon, even though it's an, it originally was designed to be like a level 50 endgame thing, mm -hmm. but we can still do it whenever we wanted. It's just that fucking end boss was so hard. And I also wanted to mention ESO has some great boss mechanics, like some things that I would have never even thought would be things. Um, there's this one boss in this other dungeon. It's not nearly as hard, but mm -hmm. what it'll do is it like casts a beam thing between two players and the players have to run in opposite directions and break the beam or they'll die in seconds. And then they have this other thing where the boss will spawn four shadows of itself and chain the person up by all their limbs on the ground. And this like spirit sword will slowly move towards their face. And everyone in the group has to focus on one of the spirit things and kill one of those spirit things or else they'll die instantly. As soon as the sword comes down on their face. I, th like, I, th I think it's worth emphasizing. I think we, we do say a lot that like, combat mechanics and MRPGs aren't everything, but I think we can all appreciate good boss fights, like boss fights with good mechanics are some of the most rewarding and fun experiences in MMORPGs, I think. Whether it's, you know, ESO, yeah. FF14, WoW. Like, overcoming a challenge, especially when you don't look up the, like, the how-to guide or how to beat it perfectly. Like, if you don't do that, <laughs> and discovering it on your own is some of the most satisfying, like, pieces of an MMORPG, I think. And ESO clearly proves that with your experience with the Shadows of the Hiss dungeon. Yeah. And then I want to mention this other dungeon boss. One last one. Mm -hmm. So there's this boss that's a spider queen, and she has, like, this laser that comes down, and it'll, like, move around and slowly get bigger, and then it'll explode, and that does a lot of damage. But it also has this other thing where there's, like, a cave in the background, and it'll pull one of your players in based on where they are, you know? So if mm -hmm. they're really close to it, it'll pull someone in. And at first we thought, okay, let's send the tank in there, you know, right? Send Pocky in there because, you know, he's the tank. He can handle all this because in that area, you have to kill a bunch of spiders, and you have to kill them either really fast so you'll get back out to your people. Or after we had started sending Cat in, we found out it was actually better if you leave someone in there and have them do it slowly. Because then over time, that person will keep someone else from getting sucked in. So, I mean, it, it took a lot of thought to try and like get through some of these boss fights. Because mm -hmm. that entire dungeon was about like isolating players away from you and killing them off one by one. And it's just having to outthink the way that we're isolated and who should be isolated and it it's something that i haven't really experienced in any other mmo cool and boss fights are some of the most rewarding experiences in mmos i think i know we brought it up last week too i think but morrowind i mean elder scrolls is getting a new big expansion soon massive uh, yeah. yeah in the, in the way of morrowind here and uh because of the level system which allowed matt to play with people vastly different levels than him uh, they say you can actually start this expansion at level one. So this can be, if you haven't played the uh, Elder Scrolls yet, uh, maybe this is the best time to start when this comes out. When this expansion comes out, you can start in Morrowind level one. Uh, if you played, you know, the previous game, uh, number three, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fan service thrown in there and nostalgia. Mm -hmm. 
So that might be a good time to get started if you're have been thinking about the game. All right. Uh, while while we're talking about what we played, I wanted to sneak in one small fun discussion about 300 Heroes. All right. I know it's a Duker Chinese copyright infringing game, but there's one element of the game which I think you guys will all agree with me is fucking amazing. All right. Uh, it's a, again, it's it's a ripoff of League with heroes and characters from popular anime series uh, franchises. So one element of the game which I thought was remarkably fascinating. There's a character called Kirito in the game. I mean, it's a Sword Art Online character, and obviously it's stolen from Sword Art Online. But the mechanic for Kirito in 300 Heroes is so that if you're familiar with the anime, I think at the beginning of the anime, he, he, he hides his power level and his experience so he doesn't appear too strong to his fellow friends. So in the in the actual game, his items are literally hidden. So his, his, his the enemy team, if you're playing against Kirito, you can't see what items he has. You cannot see what level he is. You can't see what summoner spells he has. You cannot see his creep stats, how many minions he's killed. He's literally a question mark. All his items are question marks. His experience is a question mark. It's all unknown, which is actually such a cool mechanic. It's a MOBA, you know, if you play MOBAs, I think you can recognize that is an amazing mechanic where you just don't know what you're dealing with. And I'm sure they can balance around that too. But it shows that a Chinese game, which literally knocks off like it literally knocks off so many franchises, ignores copyright, is like pirate nonsense style game, can have cool mechanics. And I thought that was amazing. So you're you're saying is they made Kirito OP? It's not OP. I don't think it's OP. The game is like no balance, by the way. The game is absurdly <laughs> imbalanced overall, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it's a great game because there's balance issues, but I'm saying they have some great mechanics, all right? Even a crappy, like, league knockoff can have some great mechanics. So God bless China for their knockoff games sometimes. I actually really like the, um, the Attack on Titan Girls mobility. Uh, it, it's broken. It's just yes, unfairly but broken. It kind of matches the show where, you know, the super mobile. <laughs> maybe, they should, maybe, they should, maybe she should die one shot. And that could be like the way it uh, it balances. <laughs> They're not gonna balance that. What are you talking about? Yeah, the game is not balanced. I I don't want to endorse the game as a balanced, fun game. It's a stupid game where if you want to like have the most nonsensical seven v seven game with like an anime characters that you like and just have mindless fun, check out Three Hundred Heroes. You know, if you're looking for a more serious, you know, game with a competitive scene, no, don't 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 check it out. But it's fun. I think I think we have to have a logical transition to uh, this amazing co- this funny comment. From uh, Crumbs, a former League pro. And I, I haven't followed the League scene too much because I haven't played too much League. But I think we talked about in a previous podcast where uh, pro gamers having girlfriends creates a big issue in, uh, in esports. So he's a pro, he's a former, I don't, I don't know if he still plays, he's a former pro gamer, I think. And he made a statement that was somewhat controversial saying, Girlfriends are ruining the LCS. The LCS is a championship series that Riot runs. It's kind of like a league for uh, League of Legends, pro scene. And he's saying the girlfriends are ruining it. What do you guys think about that? Dude, it's kind of cringy. It's cringy. He's a former. He's a salty about something. He's a No, seeing, he's right. He's seeing the current people, not the former. He's a former player. He's seeing the current players with like hot girlfriends. How old is he? And he's salty. He's, he's old. He's 26, I think? 27? Whoa, it's, forgot. If 26 old, is old, Jesus Christ, it's not old. I'm ancient. <laughs> We're talking about video game pros. If you're 26, 27, I will say this. you're old. If you're a pro player, if you're a pro at anything, right? Typically, the way you maintain being a pro is, in, no matter what it is, uh, is you're dedicating your life to it, whether it's music or sports, it's games. I mean, typically, I remember back when I first learned about pro sports and I learned that complexity just sat there playing CS 1.6 all fucking day. I mean, when you're normally at that level, the amount of time you have to dedicate to, to keep it at that level or improve, you really don't have any time for anything else. 
So let's say you're your first time pro player, you get your first girlfriend. Well, now your attention is divided between two things you, I guess, love. So um, I can see it hurting some people. It's hard. Look, when you're a kid, you're, mm-hmm. say, 16, 17, you're, you're coming into all this money, all this fame in the scene. It's pretty fucking hard to negotiate that stuff. So I can imagine it can really, um, it can really hurt some people. I'm sure some people have, have maybe jeopardized their their opportunities. No. Um, but, but just but trying think, to because they're yeah. kids, you know, they're kids. But but think about it too. Imagine Gumby, you're a pro player. You're Matt, oh. you're a pro player. I mean, most of these people that get to the high tier are usually you know pretty socially awkward like kids that play games all day, right? I mean, to be a pro player, like you don't get very many like. College, like high school football players being pro gamers it happens once in a blue moon right but like most of these kids are just the nerds in their school and they're socially awkward and like in order to maintain your pro status like you literally play these games like 10 hours a day right and to have a girlfriend thrown in there kind of distracting you from the game taking your attention away and creating like, you fight with your girlfriend once in a while it really d- distracts you from your your commitments to the game i mean I think it's a logical okay. statement. Hmm. I'm going to take the counter argument. This is a mm-hmm. dangerous precedent to be saying that, to be encouraging that they don't take on girlfriends or they don't go into the real world. Because mm-hmm. as soon as their like esports money dries up, which we all know isn't much yes. because people are being taken advantage of all the time, they're fucked. This is a really dangerous thing for them to be doing. Like as as soon as their esports career is over, that's going to be it for them. Like. What if they don't end up going to college because of it? What if they don't end up doing this? They're just fucked. I mean, they really need that touch of the real world in any way that they can. Yeah, that's true. That is no, true. But, but so, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the other side of that. I mean, I, I don't. I think most esports careers don't last long anyway. And I do agree, most people don't make a lot of money in esports. Even like the people that make it to the LCS, unless you're a personality that like gets countless views on on Twitch, you have a big per- following on Twitter. Unless you become like a big personality, the money's not big, right? But you only have a small window to make it anyway, to have a chance to gain that personality. Like that's it's it's like a four or five year career. I don't think it's unfair to say, yo, for those four or five years, no life this. Or just don't do it at all. Because if you go to half ass it, you're not gonna succeed. The people that are half assing it are just <laughs> yeah, hurting their own chance to succeed. But what I'm saying is it's the four or five years that are crucial to the way that they're gonna end up living the rest of their lives. But this isn't like uh, like a twelve year old kid developing mentally. You know, he's already an adult. No, you know, people that are going to esports are not. Well, you know, I'd no, say that under you're, eighteen you're, usually. You're a teenager, even young twenties. I mean, you're no. only just. Yeah, come on. I, I've met. I mean, I, maybe you haven't met enough young twenty year olds. I bet I met plenty of young twenty year old retards, but that doesn't mean you have to be uh, that way. I, I mean, put it this way: I think that um, maybe the takeaway from this is that you do need some level of, of life skills. But then again, does someone who's a, a fast track to play the MLB? It's not like they're getting well-rounded, you know? But then there's, again, they have a longer time span to enjoy their pro career. There's actually, apparently a lot of, you know, other people have commented on this, pro players themselves, team owners and stuff. One guy actually ended up saying, I've, learned, heard a, I've long heard a saying that every team is one girlfriend away from disaster. So imagine, <laughs> think, think, think about it. Though. Imagine like you're, you're, you're playing Yoko, on the best huh? team in league. Uh, TSM, obviously. No, but imagine you're playing on a, like a pro team and like your best player, right? Your top tier player has a, a fight with his girlfriend, right? It doesn't, at that moment, like, there goes your game, you know? Like, it throws off your practice schedule, it throws off your concentration. Okay, yeah, but you, you have some, the same but they're not good enough. Any, no. You can say the same of any pro sport, though, and yet pro sports players in, like, the MLB, NFL, NBA, they all manage to have real lives with, like, wives, kids, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't give up on that just because they're pros. And it's, no, you're right. like I said, it's a dangerous precedent to be saying 
that esports players should be. How well, no one's gonna follow. NFL no one's gonna career. follow this guy's advice. Number Look, one, yeah. that's for sure. I'm with Matt. Sure. I'm with Matt. These 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 autistic kids, right? Uh, basically, the team owners and you know the community, the the the, the developer, basically want to put them in a box for five years. Where they just yes. they just they basically so they want to make them K-pop stars. They basically want to make a mascot for the oh, game, God. basically, right? Wave the pom poms. Yeah. And and you're saying the one touch of humanity that they could possibly get in this mm-hmm. entire time, a girlfriend or something, a friend, whatever, outside the scene, right. right? Outside. You're telling me that's the poison. No, the, no. Put him in a box for 18 hours a day. That's the poison. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. But I, this brings up a small side thing. I just want to throw this out there. We don't have to discuss it too much. But like a lot of these like socially awkward guys that like become pro players, they attract so many like girls that like throw themselves at them purely for the fame. And do you really want those people around your uh, your athletes? You know, if you're a team owner, you want you want about life that way. Now, yeah. People people always experience. use you. Yeah, you how do you lose? Learn, you yeah. learn quick. Yeah, how do you learn without losing? That. You know. So, uh, I mean. <laughs> People if I'm a team owner, I understand the their position, yeah. I agree, it's not fair <laughs> to, like, box them away from any kind of, like, outside of reality. And, like, the only reason I'm saying I'm defending that position to a degree is that your esports career is really a four- or five-year thing. I don't know how long the average NFL career is or the basketball career. I could, maybe those are shorter. I don't know. Soccer careers. Actually, soccer is probably the most analogous. Most uh, soccer players, you know, you start pretty young, 16, 17, 18, and you're done before you're 30. Uh, it's pretty quick. And but yeah. soccer players also... Uh, they, they normally make out a lot better if they're a top tier player. I, I want to bring up something that someone mentioned in the chat. Uh, the this guy Crumbs, he actually brought up a good yeah. point. Not you know, and it wasn't just that you know, girlfriends ruin it. It was the whole environment of the pro scene. So uh, a big thing now is gaming houses, right? Where like mm-hmm. the whole team moves together with the with the with the manager and whatever. And he's saying that whole uh, that that environment kind of isolates. The person right he never yeah, right. He, he's always living with his teammates he never goes outside he never does anything besides that and it kind of they they don't establish any kind of work life love balance in their in their life because of that mm-hmm. it's I, unhealthy i think it's yeah. i think it's fair to say it's an unhealthy lifestyle but this is why the koreans will always win the pro league games all right you know why they're not allowed to have girlfriends all right in korea you want to play for the best teams no girlfriends allowed if you have a girlfriend you're fired all right that's why the koreans will kick our asses from here to eternity until we change our policy, all right? I don't even want to know what kind of therapy they're going to have to get. Oh, I agree. <laughs> you're 100% right. It fucks them up, right? I'm, I'm not, you know, there's 100% psychological damage from the people that are forced to live in, not forced, but like, they live in these environments where they're shielded from everything but the game all day. Yeah, it mentally screws you up. But if you want to win, you got to get in that box, right? If you don't want to win, get out of here. I also Baker th- is best single in Korea. There you go. <laughs> I also think as if, if esports develops the way people think i'm still skeptical but if it does i don't think it's going to be the autistic kids that are still in charge uh why well, don't call them autistic yeah they're, they're socially weird kids all right it's not fair to call them autistic whatever my point well, is, I, I know you're saying okay, right now like the kind of the, the the nerd loser guy right he plays games because you know he can't do anything else but i think in the future if gaming is more popular why wouldn't the fit athletic guy have better reflexes and then he would just be the pro like that too like can i um I understand your point. I agree with the series of point. And you guys, you and Omer here keep bringing up the nerd losers. And I just remind you that we're fucking hosting the MMOs.com <laughs> podcast. So we're the cool uh, kids, you know. Well, uh, you know. I, I got I got no beef saying you know, me too. Like I, I was better than average, right, in Dota or gaming in my group yeah. in my high school. But it's but the, if the if the jocks that are that are good at kicking balls, if they played games as much as me, they'd be better. No, they would. I, no, yeah, they would. Like the lifting heavy metal. <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing. Like a good like comparison there. I think the people that are really going to take over 
or other people that play piano. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> oh, that's a good no, no, Matt, you're, Matt, Matt, you're right. I think you're right there. Those guys are pretty serious. They're probably you know, higher than average IQ, too. And they have the reflexes. They have the dedication. Like Playing piano well is a grind. They have it, you know? Well, not just that, but like people that play piano really well can pick up guitar and play it yeah. better than people that just oh, started yeah. playing guitar. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy how much playing piano increases your skills like in everything that's related to using your hands all the time. No, definitely. I've long held that if I ever had a kid, I'm going to fucking brainwash them into playing that piano. <laughs> It, it's like, it's basically it's basically like it's like plus two agility in old school MMORPG. It's a perma stat, you know, being able to play piano. It boosts all their stats. You know, if my kid's not at least gold or higher, I'm abandoning him. It's <laughs> my leave him in a box on a rainy night. <laughs> Abandon him somewhere. But I, I thought it was a fun story, and I'm curious, you know, maybe, maybe one day we'll put up a, a weekly rate on this. I'm curious what the, what everybody else thinks. Should pro players have girlfriends? I think that's next week. That one's pretty funny. <laughs> I think most people end up saying they shouldn't. You I'm know, actually whatever. I'm curious how the Korean and you know Asian uh, teams live. I mean, they also have gaming houses, I assume, right? Yeah. But like, what does the inside look like? From what I've seen, and again, yeah, I've videos like a cage. No, no, no. What I've seen, the, correct the, then. The Asian gaming houses look like penthouses, like owned by like the team uh, uh, owner. Yeah. Right. They get like a penthouse in Shanghai, uh, with with great furniture. It looks great, right? When I see the gaming houses in America, they look like slavy dens, like this mattress on the floor. There's like cups. Like, They're always matches on the floor. There's like the Seven Up cups, the big one, or the Seven Eleven cups. Big gulps, big, big gulps. gulps. Yeah. So I, I'd actually say I, I think the Asian guys have a better life situation because since it's more established their esports, they're mm -hmm. more celebrity like, and they get the they live in like somewhat luxury or you know they get the nice house. Where here, since it's still kind of low end, uh, they get the slums. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't uh, mind being in a Shanghai penthouse. That sounds nice. Just don't go outside ever, because actually maybe that's what it is. Maybe we just need more smog, and then we won't want to go outside and have relationships. So we'll just stay in and play games. <laughs> I wanted to bring up my. This is actually I forgot about this story. This week has been so full of pizzazzy stories, and um, basically Maple Story back in 2011 added an NPC who I think we saw in our Sunday Funday and probably made a comment on, I, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And basically, this NPC was named Donald, and Donald was a package deliverer. And Donald had quite the fly haircut, and he had a nice smile, and MapleStory just came out and said that they removed Donald, the NPC, uh, because they want to create a politically neutral environment for their <laughs> players. Nobody gave a fuck oh, about wait, wait, Did they say politically neutral yes, environment? Yes, it's in there. It's in the comment. You can show it on stream. They said their exact quote was, Blah, blah, blah. We will strive to keep Maple World a politically neutral environment for all of our players. I don't know. Was anybody <laughs> complaining about this? I think it was just this NPC was put in the game back in 2011. Somebody who was naming him thought it was funny because he looked like Donald Trump. Called him <laughs> Donald. It wasn't a political statement. And it's too bad. Uh, I think if they didn't do this, no one would have known about it. But uh, I don't know. I guess make MMORPGs great again. <laughs> Guys, we're going to read tomorrow. Breaking news. Trump fans be able to story from North America. It's happening. <laughs> Wow. I made sure to tag Trump in our tweet about this. Um, waiting on his response, though. But maybe just, maybe after... Why uh... is he a package deliverer? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Again, oh. I, it wasn't intentional, I think. I think someone designed the NPC not even realizing what they did. 
Or they did, and they just did it because they needed to make a package deliver NPC. And I, I think I it was like a quest NPC where like you could send. I forgot there was a reason they put the package deliver NPC in, but it, that NPC stopped working a while ago. Yes. It didn't even do anything in the game, so he was basically like bugged out NPC that just stood there forever until they felt like, oh god, Donald Trump's president, we should get rid of this guy to make you know not make a political message. But, I like in their uh, yeah. quote they say, we've decided to replace Donald with a new NPC with the same functionality. So they're going to give us a new broken NPC. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think Donald Trump, like, if he knew about this, he'd be upset? He'd be like, Donald, you got fired, all right? You got fired, all right? You're fired. Next time, just fired you, Donald Trump. How do you feel about that? He'd just make a comment about, well, Arnold's ratings have been worse than mine. Loser, uh, failing company, profits down, yeah. losers, <laughs> sad, exclamation point. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> make Maple Story great again. Bring back Donald, guys. I- I'm-, I'm in the pro bring back Donald camp. Let's make a change.org petition. Those always work. There you go. Uh, we should make a, we should make a, a whitehouse.gov petition. If you get 100,000 signatures on those, you're, oh you're guaranteed a White House response. So we I, don't say, know if, I don't know if the, the new administration is going to uh, follow honor that. that. I don't, I know that they're honoring that one. If okay, they did, you get, yeah. I, I got this. I got hmm. this. South Korea just doesn't understand the subtleties of the Trump presidency. <laughs> yeah, just, that, was a, that was a fun bit of news. Probably, probably my second favorite bit after the esports one. All right, if, if we're on fun stuff, I want to I wanna share a picture I found on the internets. Which I thought. All was right, fun. sure. Then I gotta take something a little more serious. Hopefully, before we end, this time is fucking time is freaking flying. All right, so this is, this is a headline I read uh, about uh, an event in Russia that happened. Uh, the title Ooh. is uh, "Graphic Violence in Russia." <laughs> Russian guy murders his friend over argument about which graphics card is better, Nvidia or AMD. <laughs> well, who, which one did he support? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't read the actual article. Oh, the guy who murdered Nvidia. Is he the one that won? Was he was he pro Nvidia? Or pro? I I gotta know. Was the guy that killed somebody AMD or NVIDIA? <laughs> Which one NVIDIA? NVIDIA. I, it had to be NVIDIA. I would NVIDIA kill for NVIDIA. I, I think NVIDIA is going to... If the AMD guy, if the AMD guy killed the other guy, it's like AMD fan, fanboys are like the saltiest people on earth. Then. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. It's literally graphic violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, people are saying this isn't real, but it doesn't matter. It's still hilarious. <laughs> if it's not real, it's still hilarious. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Israel so, back or man, whoever. So big news. Uh, oh, it is real. Since we were talking about how DirectX 9 has been around since Windows XP days, um, Blizzard is ending support for Windows XP and Vista. They are killing it. Finally, uh, good thing. Whatever, force them to upgrade. <laughs> their uh, their official statement said something to the effect of, to the in previous times they had a large portion of their audience was still on these systems, but now mm-hmm. that is no longer the case. So people finally got smart and got off of XP. You know, you st- I still like when you go to a restaurant sometimes, you see like the, the check-in, the, the lady at the, that writes your name down. Like, you can see their computer sometimes and like you, you see them run Windows XP. You're like, holy shit, like, why? Like at the computer store, they, like some of the checkout places or like the price check areas, they run Windows XP. And I'm like, why? Like, why, why do you not? still do that? Well, all they're doing is checking you in. I know, but like I just feel like you're so prone to like spyware and shit. I don't know because it, it's long been unsupported. I know a few people were offended by this. Um, I, I I have met I met someone recently in the wild, as I as is always my litmus test, who refuses to use anything but Windows XP because they think the really? government's going to spy on them. Um, and I'm going to say, don't worry, the government doesn't care about you. 
but uh, unless you're searching pressure cookers or something. Okay, but... next time you see that guy, <laughs> tell him to run Temple OS. It has literally no internet functions because the guy who made it literally thought that God was talking to him and wanted him to make an OS. Also, he didn't want anybody spying on it, anything he was doing on that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Son, the son of Sam OS, huh? This this is real. This is real. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Good for that guy. God bless. And um, more interesting news, because that's today's theme, interesting news. Well, uh, I got, I, we got big news. I, I want to see, hopefully, before we get to the end, the Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood one. Yeah, so before that, small thing, okay. but it's interesting. It. Dark Age of Camelot is getting a cash shop. Ooh, that's angry. a good Nobody one. Nobody angry? Okay. <laughs> nah. So they're going to keep the subscription uh, and at a cash shop. Yeah, that's worth mentioning. Uh, but the game is free if you want to play on the private classic server, Uthgard. Check it out. Actually, now that we brought the microtransactions, it's worth mentioning too. Um, a lot of these games, like subscription-based games that have microtransactions, they make a lot of money from them. I mean, you you may not realize, you know, you see the pets and WoW in the store. Here's the old chart from Super Data back in 2013. <laughs> the subscription revenue is, you know, probably still flattish. So like the numbers are still pretty accurate. But um, if you look at how much money these games make, like the, the microtransaction revenue. Is still like, you know, it's a very difficult chart to read because the left side is up to 210, the right side is on 25 million. But microtransactions make up at least like 10, 15% of the subscription revenue. So if the game is making like 150 million, 100 million dollars a month or something, or like 80, you know, 80 million dollars a month, like you're getting a good portion of that still from microtransactions. So like, people do spend a lot of money in the microtransaction stores in games like FF14, World of Warcraft. So Dark Age of Camelot, we gotta get in on this. I just hate how misleading this chart, chart is, so I'm sorry for it, but it's the only one I can find right now. All right, so off topic, but on topic. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing I hate about Cash Shop cosmetics that people buy a lot of. A lot of people buy them. It's that simple. I hate that there's so many people that buy these things. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you pay money to look like everyone else. Isn't that what we do in everyday life, Matt? Isn't that That's just literally real life, too? Wow, deep, <laughs> guys. Deep. Down to the game. But guys, don't you guys always know that one guy, your one friend, who always, like, spends cosmetic money in, like, MMORPGs, and you're like, damn, this guy spends a lot of money on it. Where's yes. <laughs> Where's you at? Where's you at? <laughs> but no, I, I have a friend who plays <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV that, that race changes, like, at least once a month, all right. I'm gonna say like six times, like five times a year, five, six times a wow. year. Wow, but that's still a lot, I feel like. Like, why? I mean, look, you have the option, I agree. It's, it's whatever. Do. God bless, God bless their heart. It's very, it's really. Oh, one second, hmm. my flux is kicking in. Okay, oh, yeah, that works. Uh, what I always find interesting is the type of person, like, I'm just not the type of person who spends right on cosmetics or anything in these free games. But I remember when I was playing MapleStory for the first time, I recommended it to a friend after playing for like almost six months, right? I'm like, hey, play this game. It's free. Within a week, I see him, I see him in like a few days, right? In real, in real life. And he tells me he spent like 50 bucks. I'm, I was really taken aback at first. I'm like, I've been playing six months. I never even thought of spending money. I just told you about this. You barely left a newbie island because like, back then it was hard to level. How, how did he already... What did he spend $50 on? Like... I, I couldn't think of how he would, he could have spent that money. And, of course, he got the little pet and the little, you know, cosmetics and stuff. Yeah, you got I look fly. at it this way. Some people spend 50 bucks a week on booze. Some people buy cigarettes. Some people get a it's massage, better, yes. massage envy. You want to buy cosmetic pets? God bless you. 
uh, enjoy them. If you like that, whatever. Everyone has their advice, and I think that we got to move away from criticizing people. That yeah, I think that's just, it, it's not a bad thing at all. You know, whatever. Enjoy your game. You know, I think some people. I mean, not seeing any of us are doing it, but I think some people do have a tendency to just like go like, "Why would you do that?" Now, I do think if you spend a thousand dollars in League of Angels too, maybe you need to you know think about what you're yes, doing. But I'm with you there. Uh, there's, there's limits, you know. Everything in moderation, yada yada. But uh, I bought a skin in Black Desert. I bought a cosmetic thing, and then I found that everyone yeah. else bought the same goddamn thing, so I took it off. So, <laughs> uh, just like Matt said, so I, I got suckered. But yeah, I think it's fun. It's fun. My only criticism was that my friend went, went from like one like, went from like uh, a cat lady to dragon lady to Lalafell to cat lady back to Lalafell. Like, why are you going back to the same one? Right? Try them all at least. That's the only reason I brought that up. Like, I don't think we should, you know, poke fun at just spending money on cosmetics. You know, people spend money on cosmetics in real life, literally on makeup, on clothing, on shoes. There's nothing wrong with doing it in a game either. There's nothing wrong with it. I just hate it because everybody else does. <laughs> there you go. Alright, I want to mention the final big news. Big news, yeah. It's big news. Honestly, we should brought this up a little sooner too. Major okay. news because uh, FanFest EU just happened uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And the timing was a little weird. Actually, the news were coming out. Ryan was about to go to sleep. I'm like, wait a minute. I got to cover this because it's important. Now, they announced the Samurai class, a new job for uh, Stormblood, which is still set to launch sometime in June 20th. A lot of new stuff is coming out. You got a brand new like quest, uh, basically a new city. The, the, the main things that are coming out are the new classes. You had a, a Red Mage was announced back in, uh, I think, Tokyo Fan Fest. And then you got Samurai class was announced uh, you know, just this last week. So you got two new jobs coming out. You have a, a new housing district, which is unbelievably important for Final Fantasy because the way the way they handled player housing was like it's a good system, but having like it was very hard to get on busy servers because you you know a fixed number of, of spots. So introducing a new housing district is going to basically increase the size of the housing zones by like twenty five. It's going from three to four now, I believe. So it'll help the it'll help congestion a lot, make housing more affordable in Final Fantasy fourteen. So it's a big change. And also, you know, adding new pro tons of other small things, but those two are obviously the biggest, I think. New housing district, new classes, and new content, and an increased level cap of 70. But level the 70 cap was announced, I think, a while ago, so that's nothing new. There's also the the increasing the furnishing capacity on all houses by, like, double, so players can kind of decorate their houses a bit more nicely. But it's a big expansion, and I think Square Enix is going to make a lot of money off this. But, yeah, big changes, big updates coming to FF14. I'm excited. I'm going to buy it. You are our resident FF14 player. I think well, she played a shit ton back. Uh, I think she didn't. She played a shit ton back in uh, Realm Reborn. She didn't really get to the Heaven Sword content. Maybe, maybe I'll rope her in to play uh, Stormblood with me. Uh, I tried going back to it, but uh, it's hard. It's always know, hard to go back to an MMO. I could, I could maybe do it for the expansion. We will see. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other fun yeah. news? Uh, I, I guess I'll, we can end on this. I thought this was just interesting because uh, everyone likes to complain about their anti-cheat, whether it's Exogen Code or Battle Eye or whatever. Uh, Valve revealed that they are working on a machine learning, basically an AI uh, in the loosest sense, uh, that will detect cheaters and kick them and, and counter-strike. And there's already a rudimentary version of this AI in the game that apparently is working. So rather than Ooh. loading up, you know, um, what was Valve's anti-cheat again? It was, um, back. I can't remember. Back, 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 oh, back. Yeah, back. That's that's a good point. That That is pretty easy to remember. I shouldn't have forgotten that. But uh, 
So I guess eventually, maybe one day we'll live in a world where we don't have anti-cheat programs. There will just be silent AI that monitor and ban players without you even knowing it. And that would be pretty cool. It's just it's unfortunate a... that they're so like riddled with hacks. Like it's absurd. If you play CS:GO, even on the high level, you you encounter hackers pretty often. And it's I don't know. It's really unfortunate that they uh they persist. Luckily, the the way machine learning works and the way this algorithm hopefully should work is that it'll be able to ban these cheaters without you know a moderator input. The current system is really bad, where Valve anti-cheat kind of has to like Valve has kind of programming the parameters for detect detection. So they see like certain behavior it can auto detect and ban it but then the people that realize like okay they patched the valve anti-cheat we're going to modify our hack so it doesn't use those parameters it does something different instead so it's this game of like cat and mouse where it goes back and forth where they detect it they change they detect it they change so if they do a machine learning algorithm it can kind of like learn on its own like what hacking looks like and ban people it won't be perfect either because there'll probably be some false positives but it's going to be hopefully it'll hopefully clean up the scene guys guys is machine learning the new buzzword that will replace cloud computing? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yes. Like, it's a mega buzzword. Like, like, what's your solution to this problem? Oh, the cloud. Now it's machine learning. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the that's gonna be the go-to. Every company should talk about No, no, it won't machine be machine learning. learning. It's going to be AI. They're going to say AI. No, no, no. AI is too, like, uh, too no, no, sci-fi. No, no. I, I think so. I'm betting, I'm betting on machine learning. They're going to say uh, machine, machine learning. learning <laughs> I'm going to bet on AI. Okay. Machine learning is like you got people already know what AI means, right? But yeah. you see machine learning, that's complicated. Like, oh, I think that's that must why. be that must be complex shit. Take my money, all right? <laughs> all right. So, uh, also before we and mm -hmm. um, Omer conveniently put all this stuff together, so I want to go into the east wide east west divide stuff a bit. Mm -hmm. You guys know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. to start, I'm actually going to start with Funcom is region locking its official servers in east west region lock and there actually are multiple reasons they're doing this it's not just the language barrier it's not yeah. just the time zone difference even though both of those kind of fill, factor in there a little bit but something we don't think about and this is a direct quote is that the different play styles is proving jarring for a lot of players like wow. the way that the east and western players play is different and it's apparently proving jarring for different wow. um, Conan Exiles players which is something I definitely don't think about when I think about playing with people around the world um, I've so seen people bitch a lot about like Chinese players on uh, Conan Exiles and like how they're going like a group of like 20 people are just go mega try art together I, I I don't know is that it seems very odd that that's they're gonna put that IP restriction in place that, that's weird I'm I'm well, actually I'm, always surprised by the different play styles. Uh, I think we're a lot different than we think, you know, culturally at least. Um, uh, do you have anything else to say about Funcom? I, I want to bring up the Crossfire thing. No, that was it. I mean, there's they have the whole uh, official servers coming out of mm -hmm. Russia and Asia and other places, but that's it. Um, yeah. So this uh, this week, uh, the guys who make Crossfire, which is the biggest shooter in the world. Have announced uh, a renewed push uh, into Europe. They want to make Crossfire an esport, a big esport in Europe. Uh, I I'm skeptical on whether that can happen. Uh, don't uh, Europeans love Counter Strike uh, CS:GO? Uh, is, is are they going to find a place for a really shitty CS:GO? I, I don't think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 
It's really weird how popular, uh, if you look at Crossfire, like most America. I, I was streaming earlier too. I was, I was telling everybody this game makes over a billion dollars a year. Everyone's like, what the fuck, really? Yeah, uh, Crossfire makes more money than WoW and CSGO combined, all right? Like these two different genre of games almost. It makes over a billion dollars a year. This game is just mega, mega popular, mainly because of China. And I think I can actually understand why this game is popular. It's really, a really yeah, because look, even CS 1.6 today is still popular, you know, and like tens of thousands of people play it concurrently. This was a game that was out and became big in China before, you know, Counter-Strike took a hold. And this franchise became more relevant to people than CS. I mean, the mechanics are solid. It's, you know, I I'm not used to the play style because the recoil is a lot more than Counter-Strike. Hold on. I want to cut you off. Yes. It's popular in China because it got there before Counter-Strike did, yes. right? Okay, I get that. Yes. Whatever. It's, it's kind of entrenched. But it's the, entrenched. The fact that they're trying to push it anew oh, in the Europe. absurd. No chance. Zero chance this game will take over. The digital game will uh, do well in Europe. I mean, you clear, can't. Clearly, the mindset of the developers or the executives is, "Wow, we gotta, you know, we're making a billion dollars a year. This must be a really good game. Let's, you know, we gotta, That's we gotta, wrong. I we agree. gotta push this in Europe." <laughs> yeah, the, the Europeans just don't know how great uh, Crossfire is. No, yeah. uh, people that play this today are gonna compare it, to, especially Europeans and Americans, will play this and be like, "Why would I play this over uh, CS:GO?" Yeah, it's free to play. That's hard. That's probably the biggest <laughs> sell, right? But mm -hmm. no, I think people are gonna play CS:GO. And I can understand why it's big, but I don't think it's going to succeed at all, you know, in in the West. But even this also in, like, hmm? even in Russia, they're entrenched in strike global offense. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're not even going to find it there. Yeah, I mean, they are, if you look at yeah, go. They are smart that they're targeting kind of Eastern Europe, like the like the less you know economically successful currently countries where maybe the mm -hmm. computers aren't as good. Uh, they're hosting a tournament in Poland. Uh, I think it's about fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So that's it's good. it's nice that they're targeting the you know the areas with maybe lower spec computers to start with, but I still don't think they have a chance. You know, Counter Strike Go has been out for years now. It's very cheap. It's on sale for like five bucks very often. Um, I don't think they're gonna find a place. I want to continue that small discussion. I know we're going a little overtime, but uh, Matt made a great video on a game called Undefeated Legend. If you haven't seen it, check it out on the Mos.com YouTube channel, and it goes to the further east-west divide. Like I can look at. Crossfire understand why it's popular, but like when we look at games like Undefeated Legend and League of Angels, like these browser game looking style games, whether it's Felspire, I, a lot of these games like are it, to me it's remarkable how popular Undefeated Legend is. I think uh, Matt told me earlier it was like number 14 most played on, on 17173.com's like popular games list. So this game has countless servers, mega popular. And I think a lot of us, when we look at this game, it seems like something that we wouldn't be interested in. Like what we view as like a a great game just doesn't always work in China, and what what's popular in China clearly doesn't always work in America. I mean, Perfect World actually ended up uh, they stopped, you know, launching their self-developed games in America. They realized like Western audiences don't like J Dynasty, Perfect World, and they, they basically stopped because they made a, a few new games in China that they never launched in America. And instead, they're they're focusing on partnering with Gigantic, with buying out Western studios and publishing those games in America. And even Neverwinter, which is pretty doing pretty well in America, it's sh it's shutting down in China. So what works in America clearly doesn't always work in China, and what chi works in China doesn't always work in America. I mean, I'm looking at this game; like, it's not my cup of tea. Uh, Matt, you were pretty, you know, neutral. You talked about all the features in the game. Like, what did you think about the Legend? Like, would you like? Is that your? Would you return to this game? Well, I'd like to return to it because it has a thousand versus a thousand sieges. Yeah. I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out. But um, the the way that I saw it, I think the most the simplest way that I can put this is that mm -hmm. if you took a browser game like mm -hmm. Felspire or Mage Realm yep. and you threw a bunch of Black Desert features at it, 
that's kind of what you got. It's not a sandbox like it. It's got more of the Mage Realm type things, but it's got like the open PK grind zones. It's got the trade routes. It's got the huge, huge PvP element to it. Like the entire game is based around nation-based PvP, basically. There are all sorts of zones where you can PK people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of feels like an adaptation of Black Desert's overall like gameplay. And on some level, that's interesting, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it, you, you have to respect how many different features they've put into this game in, on top of having the basic browser-like gameplay. It's just the fact that it is so simple and the fact that as a two-person team, Kat and I had to spend nine minutes on a single boss that doesn't do much damage, it's just painful. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about it, I was like, holy shit, like, who has the patience to do that? Nine minutes. That's nuts. It just stood there as you beat on it for nine minutes. And it wasn't even challenging. It's so weird. But these games do amazing. This game is so popular. This game probably has millions of players. It's booming. Yeah, it, it's huge. And um, so, yeah, I, I am probably going to go back to it at some point and talk about the PvP elements once I get to there. But it, it's not something that I can easily recommend to Western mm-hmm. audience. And um, just as a clarification on the Neverwinter thing, it's only the PC version. Yes. Interestingly, the Xbox One PS4 versions are staying after the Xbox One version was a launch title in China. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about the PS4 version, but both of them have had a very short run in China so far because for a long time, I'm not sure if anybody remembers, but consoles were actually illegal in China. Mm-hmm. They had specifically made one console called Box or something. I don't remember. <laughs> and... Um, it was the only one that was allowed. ISEC, that's it. It was yep. only allowed, the only one allowed in China. And more recently, they have released the O-Box, which Snail Games is slowly trying to put its games on, like the mobile versions, King of Wushu, and 4K capabilities. But yeah, so it's interesting to see that the console versions are doing well, whereas they shut down the PC version, considering how short of a run consoles as a whole have had man i, I don't think the piece i don't think the console version is gonna do well in china either i mean i want to look up some numbers maybe for next week but i remember when like they first launched xbox in china and like ps ps4 and ps3 like it, it, the sales were pretty awful i don't think chinese consumers are adopting consoles at the rate of japanese and american people and europeans buy them even oh japanese users aren't adapting consoles at a very great rate anymore either they're not anymore they're i know but still i think drop. Vastly more than China. I mean, we gotta look up some data. PS4 is. You'd be surprised how low the PS4 install base is in Japan. Uh, That's why all these big JRPGs are are also still coming out on PS3. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Maybe we got we could talk this console discussion over time. Yeah, overtime time, baby. All right. Last uh, last point. One sentence point. Uh, Today marks the day. Landmark is gone. Daybreak's landmark no longer exists. What a what a landmark. My landmark. There it is. And thus concludes. February 21st. <laughs> Wouldn't it suck if a uh, landmark were the metaphorical landmark mm-hmm. so is history? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> All right. That's it. Uh, stick around for overtime. Take care. Uh, if you're on YouTube, do catch us live on Tuesdays on Twitch, mm-hmm. 4 p.m. PST. Take it easy, guys. Later, guys.